Welcome to the podcast on everything. I am your host, Dan Berlin. We have with us today Chris Golden, all the way from Japan, and Lisa, who may be silent on <laughs> on this part one of this podcast with Chris. I think this um, awesome microphone can hear her laughing in the background. It's yeah. nice. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's really important to have Chris on here because he has a lot of world experience. He is right now on a jet program in Japan. And Chris, do you want to explain that whole process all right so the jet program stands for the japanese exchange and teaching program and basically it's uh uh, run by the japanese government in an effort to get learners of english specifically uh, school-aged children to get exposure to uh, foreigners uh, native english-speaking foreigners and the cultures that they that they live in to, to sort of help the students gain a, a wider perspective on the world, uh, help them to get some interest in the, the rest of the world, and hopefully give them some tools that they can use to get into that rest of the world. So um, I had a, a theory when I was in, in college as I studied uh, jiu-jitsu, Japanese jiu-jitsu. Not Brazilian, Japanese. <laughs> um, I had a theory that you could probably tell a lot about uh, a group of people by their martial arts. And my idea was, you know, like Chinese, uh, uh, let's say wushu or kung fu, things like that, tend to be uh, sort of like wide and and flowery and and roundabout, whereas things like karate and and jiu-jitsu seem to be more straightforward. So I figured, you know, maybe I'll test this, uh, this idea. And I put it off for about a decade. And um, eventually I got up the, the courage to be like, yeah, I might actually, you know, go to Japan and try it out. Come to find out my theory was correct. However, uh, for the wrong reasons. Uh, once you really get into karate and jiu-jitsu, you find that it is very, very, very roundabout. It's very contextual. Um, what you see is not often what you get. And Japanese, the Japanese language and Japanese people are very much like that. A lot of the time, so I was right, but I was wrong. But that's how I got to Japan. Nice. So he is on his fourth year, correct? So yeah. One more year, year left. Four. Yeah. We were talking earlier about what he was plans were going to be when he. Do you graduate? What do you call this program? Um. Uh. Well, I don't know. It's I don't really think you graduate. It's more of a. You're, the limit is five years. So after that, um, hmm, what is the word? It's been. <laughs> I've only been speaking English on a regular basis for the last uh, <laughs> week and a few days, so words are not really coming to me right now. Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, I guess you, for lack of a better term, you age out. Um, mm-hmm. So you hit the five-year limit, and then um, the jet program will give you some resources uh, in the way of finding uh, employment in Japan for after the program is over or after your tenure with the program is over. And they also give you some resources for what to do when you get back home. So things like uh, reverse culture shock, which is a thing. Hmm. I experienced it while I was here. I'm still kind of experiencing it now. Um, So dealing with culture shock, uh, ways to keep in contact with the JET program to, you know, be like part of the alumni association and help uh, future jets, uh, maybe even get into some recruiting, possible job opportunities, things like that. So, that's what I will do 
um, once my five years is up. Hmm. If I stay for the five years. <laughs> I'm undecided mm-hmm. at the moment. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> right. So I've never been outside the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you tell somebody like me that would just go to a country? I'm sure you never went to Japan before you got into this program. Nah. So what is it like to to go and what does someone need to do to like get up the courage to just do this instead of hold back? Well, I would say that the path to adventure leads away from your comfort zone. So um, going to another country, especially to live in another country, is an adventure. And it is definitely going to push you outside your comfort zone. Um, It's not an easy thing. And there is an element of risk involved, as with any adventure. Um, But that's kind of what makes it exciting. So you have to focus more specifically on what it is you are going to gain from the experience as opposed to how difficult it's going to be. And if you can keep your focus on that, then you'll be more likely to to do it. Um, Aside from that, make sure you bring plenty of money. Save your pennies. Um, Also, uh, it's sort of a, a saying that I have, but you want to know assumptions, but also remember no assumptions. So the idea is when, when you go on an adventure like this, when you go someplace else in, in the world, chances are you have done some research or heard it or seen something about the place that you're going. Um, if you've done actual research, you're learning a little bit about the language, you're learning a little bit about the people, you're learning a little bit about their, their culture, their history. Um, and by the time you've landed in that country, you probably have a certain opinion about the people and the experience that you're going to have. You have some assumptions about what's going to happen and the people there and, and all of that. And it's important that you recognize that you do have assumptions. Um, and you want to also recognize where they come from but just as important as knowing those assumptions it is also important to remember you should have no assumptions when you get to that country you want to have an open mind you don't want to generalize the people based on what you've seen or based on what you've heard because you also have to consider oftentimes where that information comes from You know, there are certain places that certain other places don't like, so all the news that comes out about those places is bad news. There are certain people that certain places don't like, so all you ever hear about those people from those places are bad stories. So you want to consider where your information is coming from and why it might be like that. So when you get there, you can have an open mind so that your experience will in fact be your own experience, not the experience that somebody else told you you were going to have but it will be specifically your own experience. And you will oftentimes find that your own experience may be different from what everybody else told you it's going to be. So it's very important to to know your assumptions, but also remember, no assumptions. So speaking on your experiences, what was like the first thing you did after you landed and got situated? What was like the one thing you want to do right off the bat? I went home and cried. 
Really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow, I was no, not expecting um, that. <laughs> so uh, when I first got there, I didn't speak the language um, at all. I couldn't read it. I couldn't write it. I couldn't. I didn't understand it. Um, so I went around. I was my, my direct supervisor. We call them supervisors, but they're actually more responsible for getting us situated in you know our living place and in our working you know work or in our schools and offices and things like that. Um, so he helped me get around, and you know I got a, a cell phone. And uh, my first experience was uh, the grocery store, because uh, <laughs> I was like, all right, so I know there's restaurants all over the place, but I need to I, I cook for myself. So I need to go to the grocery store and figure out this whole food thing. And uh, a lot of it was the, the, the exact same as you would find in, in, in any American grocery store, any American, small American grocery store. But some of the foods were a little bit different. Some of them looked like they were one thing and then, and then they weren't. Hmm. So um, I went around. I was like, all right, so we're in Japan. I'm, they got fish here. So that's all they have here is fish. So let's go. Let's go to the the, the fish department. So I went to the, the, the seafood department, and I'm I'm looking for fish, and I'm like, all right, I want I want some I want some salmon because I, I can easily I can easily recognize this fish <laughs> easily. So I went and uh, keep in mind I'm I'm new here, and I'm kind of overwhelmed from the experience. So when I saw a pink fish, a pink piece of fish. I thought, yeah, that's salmon, because none of this is in English. So I was like, it looks <laughs> pink, and salmon's pink, so let's... So I grabbed the thing. I was like, all right, I got salmon. So I went and I got some, some other things from the, from the grocery store, and uh, I was like, I'm going to have... Uh, I'm going to cook some fish, I'm going to you know, steam some vegetables, and we're, it's going to be fine. And so I, I you know, turned the pan on, and it's getting all warmed up, and I, I take the fish, and, and, I, and I put it in the, in the pan... I look away for a second, and I'm hearing it sizzle. I was like, "Oh, this is gonna, this is gonna be great." I look back, and the, the the piece of fish that I thought was fish was crumbling, like, like, like wet sand, <laughs> just been hit by a wave. So this thing is like literally disintegrating <laughs> in the pan. I'm like, "What the heck is this?" Um, and it turned from a, a very, a very a nice pink to uh, it's like a, a gray beige type color. When it finally finished, I was like, I'm not eating this. So I put it in the oh. freezer. And <laughs> put it in the freezer. Because you, you don't, it's, it's like Florida over there um, with, the, with the weather. And the insulation in the houses and the apartments are not, um, it's not like America. So long story short, you don't put any food that would attract insects whether you're talking about like fruit flies normal flies okay. cockroaches anything you don't put any food that would attract bugs in your burnable garbage you always put that in the freezer until the night before you're supposed to take it out you know, for the for the next day's trash otherwise you will have all manner of, of insects in your apartment it's not fun I learned it the hard way <laughs> I was gonna. I was wondering how you learned this. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's a it's 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 a thing. Huh. I've had I've had issues with fruit flies before. I've had issues with drain flies because the apartment building I have is 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 incredibly old. Um, like it's probably old. I'm I'm 32, and I think this apartment building is older than me. 
and they that the apartment building has been designed specifically for to be temporary for for teachers so um, it's not like they're not good apartments it's like you go there you stay there um, on the weekends the teachers normally like because they oftentimes the teachers are married they have their family in a different city so they then they teach in a different city so they live here in this city during the week at these apartments and then they go with their family and live their normal lives on the weekend so these things are not they're very old they're very dirty the insulation is terrible there's single pane windows so when the wind blows it blows right through the apartment they do not have central heating so anytime it's cold your apartment is going to be very cold um so uh so yeah in regards to the what this means for for my apartment is the tub has never like the tub is is cleaned I clean it on a regular basis I'm sure my predecessor also cleaned the tub on a regular basis the problem is the underside of the tub has never actually been cleaned okay so basically you have a, a corner in the wall you have a hot water a very old hot water heater which has a very complicated process to, to work. And the tub is right there. Hot water heater is connected to the tub via a tube that is screwed in, okay? And there's another tube on the other side that connects to the, to, to the wall. So basically you cannot pick this tub up and move it to clean underneath it, okay? So one day, uh, I went out, um, I was out of my apartment for like a week. And I came back and I noticed these very interesting looking bugs on my bathroom wall. So I killed them. How many are we talking? It was only like five or six. Okay. It's like, but it, kind of like these, these very tiny moth-looking flies. It, they were kind of like fruit flies, but they were, they were like moths. Their, their wings were like bigger than their whole bodies, and they flew in these really like erratic patterns, and they would walk and kind of like walk in circles, and they had these furry antenna. Um, so I saw the five or six of them, and I killed them. So it's like, you ain't supposed to be here. I have rules in my apartment. If you have more than two legs, you're not allowed to be here. <laughs> I'm not allowed to have pets, so anything with more than two legs, you're not supposed to be here. <laughs> and if you violate the treaty, part of the treaty is, I'm going to kill you. That's just how it works. The only thing that bypasses that are the jumping spiders. They're cool, because they eat all the other bugs. They're like my minions. So, saw these bugs, killed them. Didn't think anything of it. Took a shower, fine. Left. Next day, there's eight more. Uh-oh. And every day I would kill them and I would find them in more and more places in my apartment. They were always close to the bathroom. So I looked these things up and they're drain flies. And they come from, sure enough, people's bathroom drains or sink drains. Basically where there's a whole lot of or, uh, organic matter that they feed on. So now you have to remember, this apartment building is probably older than me. So they have 32 years at least worth of organic matter sitting underneath my tub to feast on. Times every apartment. <laughs> uh -huh. So, I went to the, uh, what, the, I went to the store and I basically prepared for war. I got all manner of cleaning supplies and chemicals. I got natural. I got I got natural cleaning supplies. I got chemical cleaning supplies. I got stuff to, to blast the walls. I got stuff to blast the water supply. I got stuff to blast the drains. I got baking soda. I got vinegar. I was like, we. I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to this bathroom, and when I come out, it's either, it's gonna be me or them. That's how this is working. And I went in that bathroom and I went to work for about two hours. 
I was spraying the, the, the little hose thing underneath it. I was spraying like I got a whole bunch of like drain cleaner and I sprayed it on the walls and let it drip down so that it would get underneath the tub <laughs> and let it sit there for a while before I, you know, went and, and rinsed it off. I got like a whole bunch of, uh, of, of, of baking soda and put that in random places and then put like vinegar on top of that so it would like foam up underneath it and everything and put that in the drain and everything. Um, like I went to town, I nuked my bathroom. And uh, the next day, and since then, the uh, drain flies have gotten to the point that I'm not to be messed with. So, success. Old apartment, but I am not to be messed with. All right. So, we're going <laughs> to probably end up the part one on that note. Actually, the last question. Did you ever find out, now that you can read some Span- some Japanese, did you find out what fish that was that you cooked no but I did find out they were fish eggs ah. they were very very tiny fish eggs they pop when they when they get really hot and uh, I didn't eat them <laughs> still won't eat them me and eggs don't get along so huh. that is what happened alright so before I go before I get my tail handed to me by being late for dinner we're going to stop part one now and we'll continue later with Chris Oh, thank you, Chris. Batman's the best. <laughs> we'll edit that out. Better than Superman. <laughs>